How does this year's draft for the Portland Trailblazers and previous drafts impact the future of Damian Lillard? Plus, what, who has been the biggest standout on the Memphis Grizzlies because there have been so many standouts, including Santi Aldama and Zaire Williams? And then who do you need to know from the FIBA U18 and U16 tournaments that took place over the last month? Coming up on Locked On NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On NBA Big Board your first listen of today and every day. My name is Richard Stamen. You might know me better as at Mavs Draft. I am a media credentialed. Uh, I'm part of the media in college basketball. I cover TCU every year uh, and some other schools across the country and some other events, combines, things like that, and conference tournaments as well. Um, I'm filling in for Rafael Barlow as he continues to, uh, he just had a child. So congratulations to Rafael. Um, So filling in for him for a couple of weeks, I'll be on and off solo. Uh, Some of our other co-hosts are traveling in and out. Uh, So we'll be around for the next couple of weeks, kind of rotating around, but In the meantime, I know I've seen a lot of comments coming through about the Portland Trailblazers, had a lot of questions, talk about them, and I'll do it. Um, Portland is a team who they're in a weird position. They have a superstar who does want to be there. They have a budding budding star, I would say, and Anthony Simons, only 23 years old, just got a big extension, 25 million, uh, excuse me, 100 million over the next four years. Uh, will eventually make upwards of $27.5 million in his final year before hitting unrestricted free agency in 2027. They've got an interesting core. Uh, they just re-signed your, your, uh, excuse me, Yusuf Nurkic. They just traded for Jeremy Grant. They traded away a 2025 pick. Uh, I, th- I believe it was uh, the Milwaukee pick for him, uh, which was in turn moved to the Pistons uh, for, excuse me, to the Pistons. They moved to Charlotte. For Jalen Duren, so that pick got passed around very quickly. The Portland Trailblazers are in a weird position because they have some guys, they have a lot of talent on their team. Uh, and just to recap some of the names that they brought in uh, over the last the year, mainly this year, though, is, I mean, Jeremy Grant, like I said, from the Detroit Pistons, he was doing a lot more than he was asked to do elsewhere uh, before heading to Detroit, became a first option. Don't think that's what he's going to be doing in Portland. I think that's out the window, I think you're going to see him be back to that Denver role with, yeah, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit, but his primary goal is going to be defense and just being an off-ball player on offense, not, not some self-creator that he, creator that he was in Detroit. I don't really think that's something that'll happen. Um, then you have Gary Payton, the second who, if you watch the NBA playoffs or really the Warriors this year, you know he is somebody who can contribute. He is an absolute hound on the defensive end. I think that boss actually really hurts the Warriors, even though they made most of the run without him, uh, or I guess half the run because he got hurt in the second round. But, you know, I, I really do like that fit. It's a team that's been hurting for defense, and now you look at some of the defenders they got. They have Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic, Josh Hart, Gary Payton, all I would consider positive defenders, even going down the line for some of the more irrelevant players. Greg Brown, Keon Johnson, Justice Winslow, Nasir Little, all of them can play defense when asked. And then here's where things get tricky. Um, so obviously you have Dame Lillard, who's going to be making just about, I mean, he's north of 40 million in a couple of years. He'll be at almost 50 million. So they are in a weird situation. They need their young players to contribute, but they also need them to contribute and get better so they can maybe use them in trade packages. Uh, just because I, I think what they have now, it is nice to have young players, but when you're trying to win, 
young players don't always amount to wins. It's, it's not that common unless you have some transcendent young talent. And the, the Trailblazers just don't have that. They owe a few picks out. They owe next year's pick to Chicago, a ton of second rounders. Uh, they have some second rounders in, so they really only owe one pick. So they have a lot of assets to work with. But what they need to take that jump back, they need to first off get back in the playoffs. I think having Damian Lillard healthy will do a lot. They moved on from CJ McCollum this last year. It was almost a salary dump, which felt pretty surprising. They made a lot of moves. They moved uh, Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers, netted them Keon Johnson and some cap space. They also got Elijah Hughes, somebody who I like, uh, and I don't think he's actually even on the roster anymore. It's an irrelevant piece, but uh, I'll just take a loss here. Um, he was somebody who I liked a little bit too much in 2020, had a rough start to his NBA career because he came in the league injured and really never came back above that. Like uh, if I had known he was going to play with that, that obstacle with already being a second round pick in a COVID year, and then you're injured, it's, it's always going to be an uphill battle. And it's a real shame. It didn't work out for him, but maybe some team can latch, get him to latch on, be a rotation player, spot up shooter. Uh, just didn't really have it in Portland. He, he got racked up a lot of DNPs when a bunch of no names were getting minutes. So it was kind of interesting, but um, some of the, I'll, I'll start with some of the young players in this and talk about why I see them being uh, impact players for the trailblazers down the road. Um, this first one, I mean, Trendon Watford is somebody who I have always been impressed with. I liked him a little bit more than most Coming out of LSU, I thought his game, even though the three-point shot hasn't really been much uh, at any level, shot 24% on very low volume this year, 50, uh, excuse me, 75% from the line. So not terrible. There's some upside there, but he's very efficient within the two-point, within two-point scoring. I mean, he shot 58% from two and an overall 53 field goal percentage, still racked up some assists. And this is in 48 games, 18 minutes a game. Problem with this is most of these are like empty stats, right? Like they played, he played on a pretty bad team. Teams weren't giving their all against Portland. He's going to have to fit in when teams actually are and are going to be focusing in on Dame. And when Dame's on the bench, can he contribute in a winning way? It's a big test for him. I think he can personally. I think his game kind of adapts to that. Um, and then you have just some other young players that they've added this year. Shaden Sharp played two minutes, I think, of summer league, uh, then hurt his shoulder. I doubt he, I, I think he's out for two weeks, which rules him out for summer league. And so that's rough. Like everything with Shaden Sharp has been a complete mystery box, almost to a fault. There's sometimes the mysteries are good and then they get to play. But like, this has been one, there's been absolutely no tape on Shaden Sharp. So we're going to be really interesting to see what happens with him. Some other guys, I think they're almost in a make or break year. I mean, Greg Brown is in the final year of a guaranteed contract for him. He's second round pick, uh, super raw athlete out of Texas, had an argument to be in that top, conversation for top athletes in the draft last year Jalen green obviously number one there were a couple other guys but greg brown right up there uh keon johnson from last year's draft he's an electric defender and they actually have a team option for him after this upcoming season so when 2023 ends they're going to have a two-year team option the traditional one for first round picks because uh, he was a first round pick with the la clippers if he can contribute on defense, that's all they need. I mean, I think the hope for Keon is that they can mold him into a Terrence Mann type. Terrence Mann wasn't much of a shooter for most of his, I mean, pretty much his whole teenager years and then also early 20s in the NBA and at FSU. And maybe he can come in that mold. They're very similar, bouncy. Uh, I think Keon Johnson's a better athlete than Terrence Mann is or was. 
but the defensive ability is there. And if Keon Johnson had just hit open threes, I don't think people realize Terrence Mann was like one of the best open three-point shooters in the NBA this last year. I think he was like 97th percentile or something in that. So really efficient. And then Naz Little, he is a 2019 pick. He was somebody who I think they had a lot of hope for, and then he got injured, had a pretty rough injury. He's in a contract year. Could be somebody who becomes a defensive specialist on the wings and hopefully is a good finisher. So that is a lot of the young players. And then actually one more that I, I realized I missed because Shaden Sharp is a tough one to evaluate. But Jabari Walker, I mean, he's I think he's getting a lot of reputation around the league for one of the best three and D's in the in the summer league. I mean, he had a game against New York. Uh, this was Monday night that he went six of eight, had 16 points, 13 rebounds, one assist, one steal, only one turnover. Um, so I really like that he just continues to be impressive in the summer league. And um, I I'm just a big fan of what he's done. I liked him at Colorado thought he was hard to project. So I didn't have like a hard stance on him. Uh, he was somebody who I was like, I can see the upside and I completely see the downside too. really stood right in the middle on that. And that made it tough to evaluate, but I think ultimately the summer league is really promising for him. And this is a real chance for him to get back uh, or not get back, but get into an NBA roster and, I, I think he's going to squeeze on to more than a two-way if he continues to play like this throughout training camp. I think that's up for grabs. Um, I can't remember, actually, if he is on a two-way. I probably should have looked that up before um, talking, but he uh, he has just been impressive. I think he's somebody who, you know, a lot of people who have been keeping up with Summer League know uh, that he has been impressive, but if you haven't been watching, you might have missed him. So I really like what the Blazers are doing. So what does the future of the Blazers look like? I'll actually answer that question. I think they make the playoffs again this year. I think when you have a star like Damian Lillard, I think it really makes a difference. I think you're going to see guys step in and be impact players and take jumps, right? Like I think Jeremy Grant can be a positive player again in his role. We saw Anthony Simons in 57 games. Again, some of it a bit empty, but like for the most part, he wasn't involved in a lot of the empty stats games. He still missed almost 30 games. And a lot of those were the most meaningless games of the season. So he still averaged 17 points a game, four assists on pretty efficient shooting, 41% from three in a year where three-point shooting was down. Last year, 43% in a, league, in a year where the three-point shooting was up. I think that's sustainable, and he could be a viable second option, that C.J. McCollum replacement at 6'3", next to Damian Lillard, and that could be instant. So I really like that. I think Yusuf Nurkic's ability to defend, pass out of the short roll, and score at the rim will be big. I think overall, Portland is primed for a pretty good year. I don't think they really top out more than like a five seed, uh, and that's probably being optimistic just because you don't make a major jump uh, like that. Each year, I mean, there are exceptions. Like if you got a superstar, which kind of this year the Blazers do with Damian Lillard coming back, but their defense will be improved. And I think with Damian Lillard, you always have a great offense. And because of that, I think they're going to be safely a playoff team. Uh, I think their worst case scenario is being like a seven or eight seed where they at least have home court in the play-in games, one of them at the worst case. But I really, really think that he could be, uh, obviously he's a franchise changer, but I think he could be the guy who, brings them back to the playoffs, and then this young core evolves and their role players really step up. So that's my outlook on the Portland Trailblazers. And a lot of people talked, uh, asked excuse me, me to talk about them. Uh, there's your Portland Trailblazers talk. And also just a little plug for them. If you haven't uh, watched any of their summer league games, they play again tomorrow, which is Thursday. So you'll want to watch that. It's a, fun, it's a fun team to watch. They have some athletes. Luca Garza uh, is playing there. He got let go by Detroit. Trenton Watford's fun. Greg Brown is 
one of the most electric open floor athletes. Colby Ross is somebody who I liked out of Pepperdine uh, as a potential shooter and playmaker. Uh, although in his last game, he didn't take a three point shot, but Keon Johnson, again, so electric athletically, big fan of him. They're a team you should tune into. But, um, you know, I also want to talk about some of the, uh, the FIBA outings and then Memphis with who is some of, they have some sleepers on their team. But first, let me tell you about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Wind are often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, such as is your Odyssey an LX or EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders their, the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers or phones with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. With Rock Auto, you save time and money, and that includes 30%, 50%, or even 100% compared to the amount that you would get have to pay for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every single customer, and they have everything you can need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. You know the drill with how much they have. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so i wanted to talk about the memphis grizzlies and why i'm so high on some of their players throughout summer league and again i want to emphasize summer league doesn't actually mean anything but at the same time like it does uh, because you know it's a place where you can see guys get sh showcase their new skills you just kind of have to tone it down and say, okay, like, you know, just because uh, like, for example, Santi Aldama, Santi Aldama, I'll spoil it. He is a guy who I've seen just explode. He continues to be hyper-efficient. He in Wednesday's game, excuse me, Tuesday's game against the uh, Brooklyn Nets in a blowout win. Santi Aldama went 12 of 14, 31 points, nine rebounds, two assists, three, uh, three blocks, two steals, or no, I'm excuse, excuse me, that's Jake Laravia's stat line. But 31 points, nine rebounds, two assists, and three blocks, no steals. It's impressive. Um, it's really impressive, and he continues to be one of the most impressive players in summer league, a second-year player that I think he was a shock first-round pick. I know he was for me. So I, I never had him on my radar as a draftable player, and they continue to do good things with him. On Sunday night against the Minnesota Timberwolves, Santi Aldama had 22 points eight rebounds, one assist, two blocks, and six steals on 50% shooting. It's just been incredible how much he has produced. So I've uh, been a big fan of him. And I, I want to go back to what I said with, you know, summer league does matter, but it also doesn't. I uh, talked about this on Monday's episode, but summer league, like, it's cool. Uh, but for the most part, like, it means more for undrafted players, players fighting for an uphill battle, trying to get into the mix is really where it matters. I don't think it matters for – First round guys like David Roddy, for example, at seven of 11, 20 points, one assist, three rebounds, one block, which was really good. Does it really change anything? No. So like there's just not a whole lot that actually changes in terms of long-term outlook from these games, whether you have a good game or a bad game. I mean, Sharif Cooper has been terrible in summer league. It's a little bit disappointing, but I don't think it means he's like on his way to being a surefire bust. This doesn't change whether or not he will or won't be a good NBA player. Um, so that being said, Zaire Williams has been really good. And I think he had actually a pretty good regular season, especially for someone who was so raw as a freshman at, um, at 
Stanford, and I apologize, I'm trying to find the stats for Zaire as I pull this up, but for his rookie season, he played 62 games. Some of those minutes were garbage time, but also a lot of them were not because he played 22 minutes a game. Uh, and again, some of that could be inflated by some blowouts, but for the most part, it was very real. He was a bit of a rotation player, averaged eight points a game, shot 31% from three, but you look at the flashes with him, right? Like there were a few games where he was raining threes, especially early in the season. I mean, he started the first, or excuse me, he played the first nine games. And in that stretch, he was shooting 33%, which is still pretty good. He had an 0 for 7. If you take that out, and that this is all from three, he had an 0 for 7 in that stretch from three. And like, if you take that out, he's 35, 37, maybe even 38%. So the beginning of the year was strong for him. And then he only played one game from uh, post, excuse me, from December to the entire month of December, actually. After that, he started playing again. And then uh, had a little bit of more consistent minutes. He really didn't have many games under 20 minutes. Just doing a stretch, he had 20 straight games, um, or excuse me, 19 straight games of 20 minutes per game. And he was really good in that. 49% from the field, almost 10 points per game. Uh, and actually, these were pretty real minutes. There were some, again, there was a strong stretch where Memphis could not lose. And they, so it kind of inflated a little bit of his minutes, but it was like 10 minutes to like 20. So it's not that doesn't mean a lot. Like he still was going to play in the meaningful parts of the game. So I think Zaire Williams has a good amount of upside and in Tuesday's game, like he was really good. 14 points, seven rebounds, eight assists, one steal, only two turnovers uh, compared to eight assists for a non-guard is incredibly strong. And that was on six of 11 shooting. Look, I hope he becomes a good player because the more weapons you can surround John Morant with, and especially on the perimeter, it's a good thing. And you have guys like David Roddy coming in, who he's a purely positionless player. I'd almost consider Jake Laravia as well, who, uh, since I already accidentally started reading into his line, he was flirting with a five by five, but it was weird because the furthest things were, he really wasn't even close on the points. He went one of three from the field, two points, five rebounds, four assists, three blocks, and two steals, which just speaks to the volume of his game of he can make an impact no matter what you ask of him, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, I really just love this Memphis core and their ability to draft. And it's funny. I, I, this is the last thing I want to talk about with Memphis, but there was a Reddit thread. It should be one of the top things on our NBA talking about what is the next five years? Who is going to like, it was just a bunch of threads saying, here's what people said five years ago. One of them was who's going to be the worst team in the NBA. Someone, and this is just to paint a picture of how differently we look at Memphis now from then. Somebody said Memphis is definitely going to be there. Um, and one of the replies was, no, I don't think so. Memphis is going to trade Conley. They'll trade Gasol and, you know, they'll rebound and they'll bounce back pretty quickly. I don't think they're going to be bad back then. And props to whoever that was, I should have noted the username, but the comment to that was, oh yeah, Memphis is totally known for drafting, like, and had the sarcastic tag. And now Memphis is probably the best drafting team in the NBA. They have a very strong conversation and I hope Zaire Williams and Jake Laravia and Santi Aldama all add to that because Zaire Williams at 10, very unpopular. Santi Aldama at 30 was ridiculously unpopular. I went on Locked On Grizzlies with Sean Coleman and said how much I disliked their draft. And now I think there's a route where I might end up liking it. So, and then you have Jake Laravia, David Roddy, Xavier Tillman was a great pick in 2020. They also have Kenneth Lofton Jr. They got Vince Williams Jr., who was an absolute draft Twitter darling. One player who I know that played against him uh, said, you know, he's a senior, but is this stuff repeatable? That's going to be the big question for him. And if it is repeatable, they found themselves a gem. He's a jack of all trades, really good athlete, long. 
could be somebody who is a sleeper. So uh, that is my rant on the Memphis Grizzlies and why I think uh, they have become one of the best organizational role models and just how impressive their summer league has been not too necessarily related, but just overall statements of the team. So I also want to talk about the FIBA tournaments because those really got brushed under the rug with the draft and summer league and free agency all starting at the same time, but there's a lot of future talent in this NBA coming up. Uh, But first, let me tell you about bet online. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, league reviews, news, including NBA Summer League, MLB, UFC, you name it, hockey. Uh, when it was in season, actually, I realized hockey just ended, but all of it, they have everything. And soccer, too. Bet Online uh, is, con- is your continued source, excuse me, for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today, betonline.net. Or use your mobile device to learn more about the, the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So the FIBA U18 tournament happened first. Um, I'll start with that one. That was the FIBA U18 Americas. Um, there, the USA won. That was not a. It wasn't much of a competition, I don't think, because that's just kind of how uh, how the tournament has generally got those youth tournaments the usa is dominant uh, because you see these high school recruit rankings there's a reason a lot of the number one picks are generally high school players and a lot of them play in the usa so <clears throat> there there's one player that really stood out to me i'm trying to find his stats uh, it's been it's a little bit difficult to find their fiba stats some of these guys but i'll start with cam whitmore he was recently put as the number three uh, draft prospect for next year's class by Sam Bassini in this mock draft, I should say. It's so number three pick. Um, he was really impressive. His athleticism is off the charts. Great defender. Can shoot the ball. Very projectable. Um, you look at his athleticism, especially in the open court, just as an off-ball player, he's really strong in that regard. I think when you look at who, uh, or I guess the role he's going to play, it reminds me a bit almost of Benedict Matherin in a way. Of not They're not one-to-one as players, but like the role they're going to play in college seems pretty similar. I think they're going to be off. He's going to be an off-ball player who can create when asked to uh, more than Matherin could, but Matherin did show flashes of it, especially as a passer. Good rebounder, really good defender, um, which Whitmore has the advantage and just re- remarkable athlete. And he's going to use it, that and his basketball IQ to, to his advantage. So I found the, uh, the average stats for him. So he averaged 19 points a game, 1.7 assists, 6.3 rebounds, one steal, um, a half a block per game. And that was on an absurd 63% shooting and 45.5%. Sorry, the FIBA font is ridiculously small from three. Didn't shoot the free throws too well, but uh, you know ultimately he was really good. And he's somebody who I, I think has really risen from this tournament. I think he was one of the most impressive players for me. Uh, somebody who I, I thought would be a little bit better was Kalel Ware because he's so big and so long. thought he would dominate more than he did, and he still was good. Uh, but to me, the mobility on the defensive end was somewhat alarming. I don't think it's a red flag, but it might be comparable to like Mark Williams, and I was low on his mobility. So that scares me a little bit. But he wasn't afraid to take some jump shots. Uh, I liked that. He averaged 16 points a game. He had seven rebounds per game, one assist, 
Uh, one steal, one, 1. 1.8, so pretty much two blocks per game. And that was on 67% shooting. He's somebody at Oregon who should see um, should see some of the first round, I would say mid-first buzz, uh, just with that long big man ability. Um, I think he's – and he has some guard skills in a way. It's not like anything special, but, um, you know, he can, he can be trusted with a ball in his hands at times. And I think that's big for him. So uh, the FIBA U18s was fun. I think the U16s was even more fun personally. Uh, and so the U16s just wrapped up. Again, the U.S. absolutely dominated. Uh, they beat Argentina in the finals. The person who I came away most impressed with, I know number one was Cooper Flagg. You're going to see a lot of people talk about him. He's probably now the number one recruit, uh, or excuse me, the number one yeah, high school recruit, uh, regardless of class, and he's really young. He, he like um, – like Ian Jackson was playing much younger than uh, than his age, I guess. Like this is the U16s, and I think he's 15 years old. Uh, I'm trying to find the the 15 uh, year old stats right now, but on three did a great article about this, uh, highlighting why he's such a high level prospect for them. But let me talk about Ian Jackson because I really liked him, and there's one other name I want to talk about too. I'll get to in a second, but Ian Jackson was really impressive. Just came away. I mean, being, I, I believe he's 15 years old, uh, or excuse me, he's 17. Um, and he, excuse me, this is still, uh, I got my, I got my, uh, events wrong here. So forgive me, but he was in the U 17s is what it was not the U 16s. U 16s was last year. I apologize for that mishap. I saw 17 and was confused what was going on there, but in the U 17s, he's 17 years old and new 17, um, in the 2024 class, though, is what it is. So he's playing a class below. Forgive me for that poor clarification. Anyways, great athlete. Was finishing at such a high level. Really trusts the three-point shot development. That's something that he really needs to get going for him. Um, I'm a big fan of just how he has been playing. Um, I think he's going to be a star in the right in the making. Um, so Ian Jackson, somebody to remember. And then also Ron Holland. Ron Holland was somebody who I've seen in person. I saw him jump over somebody on a layup. Uh, and Ron Holland is going to Kentucky, I believe. I don't know if he formally committed yet, but you look at a big man who has guard skills, uh, pretty much a modern power forward. That's the guy. Uh, I, I'm an absolute big fan of him. He's somebody who came away just monster on defense. He's so effortless on that end. Great athlete. His jump shots projectable. He has guard skills. He can attack closeouts on the offensive end. Really a do-it-all player. I have him as a top five player for the 2024 class as of now. Um, so I I think uh, I think he's going to be a really solid player. You look at just the general just the general dominance for a forward and advance ability so far. I think he's just absolutely great. So um, big fan of him. Those are the guys from the FIBAs uh, that I've been just absolutely impressed with. Uh, you're going to see if you search Ian Jackson, because I did not do a good job uh, of describing what happened there. I fully acknowledge that mistake. But if you start type in Mavstraft Ian Jackson, you'll see all the highlights I posted. And there really weren't any low lights here. Uh, he was just ridiculously skilled. He went up against, um, I forgot what the kid's name is from Slovenia, but he was the other star there. And and Ian Jackson was just the player of the, of the tournament for me. Like I, I came away fully impressed thought he was really strong. Uh, and John v Jan Vide is the kid from Slovenia. Absolutely dominated him. Uh, was just a threat in the open court. I'm a big fan. So 
those are the guys from the FIBAs, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Memphis Grizzlies that I came away impressed from. Again, apologies for a little bit of the scrambling on that first part uh, about Ian Jackson. Got some mixed results when I was looking stuff up, threw me off. But I'll be back tomorrow with Leaf Tuline. Uh, we're going to be talking about some big sleepers coming up in the college season. Uh, Leaf is a big college guy, so um, that's his forte. I want to talk about college basketball with him a little bit while also still touching. We're going to keep touching on the summer league every day because we are the only NBA draft show that is done every single day. Uh, for you know, we are the only ones on any network that you will find doing this 52 weeks a year, every day, every week. So. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On NBA Big Board. My name is Richard Saman. You can follow me at, at, excuse me, Mavs Draft. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day.